This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. Let's zoom out. Let's let's zoom out. Let's let's look at games on a grand scale, okay? Let's um let's you and me go back to childhood, okay? Wait, what? What the what just happened? I don't think how how long, how many episodes? We've recorded like 16 I think we've got about 530 hours. Yeah. of recording, right? That's not accurate even remotely. The list, I think the listener has listened to about 530 hours of us talking. So Because of reruns, yes. They may not uh but but the listener may not know a lot about um our kind of gaming roots, like where we come from. It's obvious that we've been playing games for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's obvious that we have a love of old systems and old games, but um the reason why I want to talk about this is because it will directly relate to the game I'm going to talk about. So uh, I think it's pretty obvious from listening to our episodes um, that we each have kind of our own favorite genres of games. Uh, I, for instance, like games that are good. Uh, and you, for instance, like games that are f- Hey. Is that accurate? I'm going to bleep out that video game that you just mentioned because we are not allowed to mention it on this podcast anymore. Anyway, I think it's so... Uh, to be truthful, uh, I think that it's 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 probably not obvious, but I think it's safe to say, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. But our favorite video game genre, um, probably of all time, would be the Japanese role playing game. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Um, just it seems pretty obvious from your love of all things Final Fantasy. I have a love of all things Final Fantasy. It's um, true. You are you are saying that to someone. Who- who is essentially playing through three Final Fantasy games at the same time right now. Not, not sure. as we so, record the podcast, but like, you know what I mean. But the point is, is that that pretty safely can say that is our favorite genre mm-hmm. of video game. The reason why I wanted to pull it back was because my, and the reason, you know, why this is my particular, you know, my favorite genre of video game is one of my earliest video game experiences. Uh, I think we were seven years old. And you got Final Fantasy yeah. 2, I think it's for Christmas, which, you know, is an awesome video game. Final Fantasy 4, for those of uh, for those of you older kids that didn't have it when you were younger on the Super Nintendo. Um, but it was an important game for me. It was the first game that I ever sat down with for a very long period of time. Because I later, I later got it after, after I played it at, at your place. Um, it was the first game I ever sat down, and you return to over and over again, and it saves your progress. It's not the same every time you play it. You don't start, uh, you don't start from the first level every time. You return to it, and it, it tells a story. Um, and for my uh, young and developing mind, uh, who of course was into stories because all kids are into stories, right? It it's a big deal. It's like an interactive story. Yeah. Um, so I consumed all things role-playing games for the next few years. And I know you did too. Um, And it was, you know, throughout the Super Nintendo generation, really the kind of the renaissance that leading into the PlayStation era, those two generations were kind of the renaissance of all things Japanese role-playing game. Um, They were by far where the best ones were made. And I don't think there's any dispute about that. You might be able to make some, some argument for the PlayStation 2, but they just... As far as the ones that made it to America, they just weren't as solid as the ones that were on the previous systems. I agree. Uh, so the reason the reason why all that's important is because I think it's also safe to say that this generation of system, meaning the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, 
there has been a uh, a retreat of the Japanese role playing game. It seems like once once the Call of Duties came out, once the Halos came out, and money was being made hand over fist in America for those games, there was a an immediacy to westernize video games because that's what was selling that was going to make what was make, going to make video game companies money i think that that's pretty apparent by games like resident evil 6 which just came out and has a lot of we'll call them interesting design decisions that are obviously meant to appeal directly to western audiences is that what resulted in the uh, is that what caused the terrible reviews it got too well as sorry sorry that we're taking a tangent here but what I mean, like I said, they're they're trying. They were trying to appeal to Western audiences, and I think the game just ended up being conflicted. It didn't really know what it was trying yeah. to do. It tried. It tried to be all things to all people, uh, and it's very difficult to do that and do it well, and then you know make a good product. So, um, but that's a separate podcast. Sure. Again, that's another game. That's another game I've been playing. I can talk about that all next right. time. All right. So the reason why this is all important is because I have been very disappointed with Japanese role-playing games lately. Um, I liked Final Fantasy XIII. I liked Final Fantasy XIII too. I did not fall in love with them the way that I fell in love with games when I was younger. Again, I'm approaching games from a different perspective now as well. You know, I'm older. Maybe they might not have the same emotional impact for me. I probably have this strong nostalgia color that I'm looking at these video games from in my past. Point is, is I have not had the same... Games have not had the same effect on me as maybe I remember them having on me as a kid. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever heard of Operation Rainfall. No. But it was this initiative by some Westerners as well as some Europeans to bring across some video games on the Wii that were not going to make it to America. Wait, what? Who, who, whose operation was this? This was – it was a group of individuals. I believe it started on NeoGAF, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be remember I could be talking about this totally wrong, and I apologize if I am. But I believe it started on NeoGaf. Um, there were three games; they were all Japanese role-playing games that were developed and released in Japan. Um, and there was no plans. They were all on the Wii as well, Wii exclusives. And there were no plans for these games to come across to America because the Wii has been a dying system in America for the past right. two years. Uh, and so word of these games and the fact that they're not coming to America uh, got to NeoGAF. And so there was an operation started because we all know how well uh, internet um, petitions work, right? So there was basically an internet petition to get these games sent over. Now, these games were – one was called Pandora's Tower, if I'm not mistaken – uh, another one was called the the last, the last story, story yeah. and the yeah and the last one the the last one was called uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, so there was this big push that I don't think they made any traction on anything, and then all of a sudden, Nintendo announced that they were going to oh, and here's the biggest gag of all. I'm sorry, the, I I'm remembering this slightly wrong, but your, the game had been localized for Europe. So it already had English voices in it. They had English accents, but the games already had English voices in them. But they still did not have plans to bring it to America. They literally wouldn't have to change anything with the game to port it to American audiences. Hmm. Because it already had English voices hmm. in it. 
but they still didn't want to bring it over. So I think that's that was kind of Operation Rainfall's kind of uh, that was what ended up getting them the ability to convince Nintendo to bring it over. But Nintendo said, okay, you know what? We will bring over these games. We will publish them. So Xenoblade Chronicles uh, and I think Last Story are both actually published by Nintendo. Last Story was published, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Pandora's Tower never made it over. Uh, from what I've heard about that game, it is majorly weird. It, <laughs> it probably would not play to Western audiences at all. Um, so that one kind of makes sense that it didn't come over. But the other two did. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles came first. Uh, Last Story came came afterwards. Uh, if you know anything about uh, the the Xenogear so, uh, the Xenogear game, so Xenogear is for PlayStation, or Xenosaga for um, PlayStation Two, which was a three game series. There are these games with an epic scope, and there's just kind of no other way to say it. You know how most Final Fantasy games are about saving the world. Um, the Xeno the Xenoblade and Xenosaga and, and Xenogears games are about saving the world and the universe and destroying God. <laughs> what? Yeah, so the scope of these games is outrageous in magnitude. And I, I've heard there's also an excessive amount of dialogue. But these are, these are the types of games that I just haven't seen in so long. Um, and part of it is because with these with these Japanese role playing games is the battle systems the the actual gameplay systems never really evolved right and while interesting stories are important uh, and you know interesting dialogue is important and world building is important you're still playing the game and you know you're doing gameplay stuff for more than anything else. And if that's not fun, you're not going to have a good game, right. no matter how good your story is. So I think that uh, the gameplay systems of these role-playing games never really evolved. I've been thinking about this a lot uh, before I, I decided to talk about this game. Almost as much as I thought about uh, the game I reviewed, which I already forgot the name of the game I reviewed earlier in this podcast. Right. So uh, It was Cave Story, by the way. Keep going. And so part of this is... You know, when we were when we were younger, when video games were younger, I think that role playing games, the Japanese role playing games, had the most complicated gameplay systems. You think so? Uh, I do. I think they had the most thinking involved in terms of of gameplay f- across the board for all games. Um, I, I really do. I really think that they were probably the most complicated gameplay systems out there, and they they have they kind of evolved a little bit over the systems or over the. Uh, like the consoles from like Super Nintendo to PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, but other games have had quantum leaps and bounds to their gameplay systems. First person shooters now are so much different and so much more intricate and so much more complicated with, you know, leveling systems. And I mean, it's, it's apparent that kind of all games chased role playing games. You see all these role playing game elements that are now in oh, video gosh, games right? everywhere. You can level up, if you can't level up in a game, something is wrong. Exactly, and it never used to be that way. So, the you know, role-playing games really, really kind of carved the path for, I think, the modern video game era. Anyway, this is all, you know, postulating and, and uh, 
kind of getting insider baseball with the industry uh, that we aren't really qualified to talk about. You just about, got so. way intense. I, I uh, literally don't even know what just happened. But the point is, is I played Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh my god. Your mind. That, that's what just happened, honestly. I know, I'm going to let it sit there for a second. And we're back. This, this game, uh, I really think, is the evolution of the Japanese role-playing game. What? I think, I think it is everything that Japanese role-playing game companies have been trying to do and failing when going to Western audiences. And the thing that is the biggest shame about this game is it will, it will not be played by a lot of people. It just won't. Um, because it came out late, it came out for a system that was dying, uh, a, a system whose, you know, the general demographic of the Wii owner, well, first of all, everybody owns a Wii, but the general demographic of the person who are, the people who are still playing their Wii is not those that are going to spend 80 hours with a role-playing game, which is the amount of time I spent playing this role-playing game just getting from start of story to end of story. No side quests? Very few. Only the ones that were en route to completing the game. Yeah. So um, it's just not, it's, it was like not the right system for it to come out on. If it had come out a little sooner and there had been a little more buzz about it, um, maybe it would have done better. It just, it, it's just a shame is all. It's just a shame. It's not going to be, be seen by uh, as many people as I think it should have. But the point is, is I really think it elevates the, uh, the Japanese role-playing genre. I really think it's, it's what in the future of the Japanese role-playing game will be seen uh, more kind of aping of it. And why do you think that? Like, what, what is it that's I have, You're right. I have not talked about the game at all, right? Okay. So when, uh, generally when you think of a Japanese role-playing game, uh, you know, you think turn-based combat, you think menu, menu-driven system, you think yada, right. yada, yada. Um, this game plays like a single-player massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Like Final Fantasy XII. Yes, it has a very similar vibe to Final Fantasy XII. Um, and, and actually, I thought Final Fantasy XII was done well in, as far as the combat went. I just think the story was not good, but uh, that's neither here no, it, nor... It, well, but the story was abysmal, so that's a valid point. But yes, but... It, but it, I'm... I, liked, I liked the combat, and this game is very similar. So you will control one character... You will have two other characters that are going to be controlling themselves. The AI is great. It makes smart decisions. Uh, when you lose battles, which you will do because the game is difficult, which is also a refreshing change of pace for role-playing mm-hmm. games. Um, when, yeah, when, you, when you die, you will not feel like it was because the computer did something stupid. It was because possibly you were underpowered or you made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the game, the way the combat works is you have an action bar. And if you've ever seen massively multiplayer on other playing games, specifically World of Warcraft, which every other game apes on, you have a, a bar of abilities. And the abilities have cooldowns. Now, this game does not have magic points. It just has hit points. But the abilities that you use will have a variety of different effects, and they will have long and short cooldowns depending on the ability. Mm. Some may be healing, direct healing abilities. Some may be, you know, damage absorption shielding abilities. Some may cause static effects like bleed and poison and fire and chill. And there's all sorts of different status effects. Um, the the combat is deep. It is very deep. There's a lot to it. 
Um, I felt very overwhelmed at first because the tutorials come very quickly in the game. Within, I would say, about 30 minutes, you you have read just this intense system of tutorials. And I felt a little overwhelmed at first. Now, since the game is 80 hours long, you have a lot of time to get used right. to it. And it was it was very it was very it became very clear about three, four hours in exactly what I needed to do. Uh, here's some of the things I really liked about it as far as like uh, the combat goes. You have. I don't know, I think it's six or seven characters total that you're going to choose from by the end of the game. Each one completely different. Something that I love about role-playing games. Uh, things like This is something I don't like about games like Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII. I don't like when every character can be the same character. Yeah. Uh, these characters are all completely different. They play different. There are limit breaks that kind of fill up as uh, as you're fighting they all do they all even work in different ways like one character has a gun for instance and every ability she uses fills up this bar if the gun reaches the maximum amount on uh, the limit break bar she can't do anything until the gun cools off hmm. so but you can manually cool the gun off and it takes it takes less time to do that in combat if you do it manually before it reaches its max so that that's one character, for instance. The another character, their bar will fill up, and they can uh, steal an item from an enemy. As you level up and change abilities, the character can then steal uh, status, like like stats. So can do like strength down from the enemy and add the strength to that character's own strength. Ooh. For instance, you know, there's another there's another one that does like a five hit combo that's devastating. Um, the point is, is all the characters are distinctly different and you can get by in the game with many different combinations of three person parties. Now that being said, just like a role playing game, just like a massively multiplayer role playing game, it does have tank characters and it does have healing characters. And there are certain battles in the game that are very difficult and there are, for the most part, I found impossible without using a tank, a damage dealer, and a healer. So for some battles, I felt I did feel like I was pigeonholed into using specific characters. But for the most part, you can use what characters you like. And the characters are all interesting. Like typical Japanese games, it's got kind of comic relief in there. There's a comic relief character in there. Um, which brings me to then the story. Uh, and like when I first started talking about it, like I said, the story is... Super grandiose in scale. Now, where does this fit into the Xenoblade slash Xenogears, you know, like, overarching storyline? I don't know, to be perfectly honest. So you've I, never played another Xenogears or Xenoblade or Xeno... I played through all of Xenogears, but this does not... To my knowledge, this is not kind of directly related to uh, that world. Okay. It might be related to the world from Xenosaga, but I never played those games. Um... I just know that they were also very story intense, but the, the, just the general kind of the general setup of this game, uh, you there before the world was born, there were two massive Titans that are larger than you can kind of fathom. Uh, they, one was, one was a mechon or a, like a mechanical being. One was a bio, bionis or a, you know, a bionic being, they fought. They both killed each other and went dormant. Uh, the Mechanis uh, gave birth to all life mechanical. The Bionis gave birth to all life bionic. And 
you actually live on the Bionis. It is that large that it supports all of life of a world on it. And then Makana supports all life of a, of, you know, the mechanical world. Wait, so you live on the Titan? Yes. Okay. That's how large the Titan is. And the entire gate takes place on these two Titans that you're moving around. Um, there, there is a war going on between the beings of these two worlds. Um, and without giving any kind of story, story spoilers away, you're, you move, you know, you're, you're on Bionis moving from one place to another. There's a, there's a mech on attack at the very start of the game. Um, won't go into details about it, but basically it, it shows the mech on are evil. Um, and you kind of go on a quest to destroy them. Okay. Um, the story is very interesting. The characters are, and this could be a result of the English voice acting, but the characters are incredibly mature. Uh, one of the biggest complaints for me about like Final Fantasy 13, for instance, is characters like Vanille and Hope just were so aggravating. Because <laughs> they come off as childish? Exactly. Exactly. Like you're talking, like you are talking about a story where it's it's a fate versus free will story and you've got characters like bitching about silly stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And acting and I mean sure Hope is young, that makes sense for him. Vanille is just annoying though, right? <laughs> just, I don't think the characters are written well. Um they're just they're too Japanese tropey for me. Okay. Uh in this game, the characters are very mature. The subject matter is sc- scarily similar to Final Fantasy 13 actually. Um mm. It is also a kind of a fate versus free will story is, is what it evolves into. I think it's done leagues beyond <laughs> what Fantasy Thirteen is done. And I liked Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, you were a fan. You were a fan of that game. And I think this game is so far beyond that. You know, the 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 there's like the, there's some lightheartedness when there needs to be, but it never feels out of place. It never feels uh, it never feels forced. The voice acting is phenomenal again it could be just a result of the english voice acting um but the story really shines um and so does the so does the combat the the combat you you are never so powerful until you start going back like to the very beginning of the game when you're at the end of the game you are never so powerful that enemies die for instance in one hit battles battles never really feel trivial um especially when you're progressing through new areas. Um, and there's so many different systems in, in combat that you're always having to think in order to fight some enemies. Um, so that's just a kind of a, a, like a, the briefest of overviews of the game. Um, I can't recommend it enough. As somebody who has been craving and dying for a Japanese role-playing game uh, to kind of light my fire again, it it reinstilled my faith in the genre. Because I was really I was really scared that the genre was was a dying thing. Uh, I mean we've we're moving so far to games like Mass Effect, um, which are just they're so self-serious. They're so obviously appealing to Western audiences. And that's fine because they sell and and there's there's an obvious market for them. But they are not my first love. Right, my first love, my first love will always be for Japanese role playing games, and this game just hits it. It just totally hits it out of the ballpark, and I can't recommend it enough. It, 
the the story just constantly moves you forward in interesting ways. I just think it's great. So, do you like it as much as some of the Renaissance games you talked about, like Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI? It's really hard for me to uh, compare them. It's hard for me to view it objectively. It just is because I have I, those games were from my childhood. Yeah, because we have the nostalgia. I understand. Yeah, and nostalgia is a very powerful influencer in terms of how you feel. So it's very hard for me to say it objectively that yes, uh, but I know I just know that I got the feeling when I played and finished this game that uh, that reminded me of the feelings I used to get when I would play, and I would play the same the same Final Fantasy game six seven times as a child. And oh yeah, oh god, yeah. Oh, at least. Oh, and We've beaten Final Fantasy 4 between the two of us probably more than 30 times. Probably on 30 different systems. <laughs> god. But yeah, I I mean it just it reminded me of how I how I feel about those games from my childhood. And it was it was an awesome feeling to be able to feel that again about like a Japanese role-playing game. It just was. So as a Wii exclusive, how is the gameplay in terms of fitting in Wii controller things? Are you using the nunchuck? Are you shaking things? Is there a wiggle waggle? Are you using a classic controller, a GameCube controller? Uh, and how are the graphics? So it's interesting you say – so uh, to address your control question first, it's interesting you asked me about kind of how it is Wii integrated because – the game specifically says it is meant to be played with a classic controller pro. So they just ditch all Wii uh, gimmicks. Mm -hmm. There is none. Um, you can play it with the Wii controller and nunchuck. I tried that at first, and I will say that I immediately went out and bought a classic controller. It, <laughs> just, it, it didn't feel good. Um, the menus didn't feel good. It just it wasn't. That's not how that game is obviously meant to be played. Mm -hmm. um, as far as how the game looks, it doesn't look good. It's a Wii game. Um, it is very obviously a Wii game. So you kind of have to get over that. Um, I didn't find... Here's the thing, though. Um, and it's, it sounds so... Sh I hate it when it's said, but I have to say it. It looks good for a Wii game. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I don't know about that. I hate saying it, but it does. Um, it is probably the best-looking game I've seen on a Wii, but it is still very obviously a game for the Wii. Now, uh, sometimes uh, Wii games try to get away f around their graphical limitations by doing things like cell shading uh, or like um, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword has kind of a kind of a semi-cell-shaded art style because it knew it couldn't look like Final Fantasy XIII um, or Final Fantasy XII even or probably Final Fantasy X. Um, so does it do something like that or does it is it have like an anime kind of look or uh, does it try to look realistic and just come up short and pixelated? Um, how, what kind of an art style, does? what kind of direction does it take? It tries to be realistic. Um, it very obviously tries to be realistic in a very fantastical setting, but it looks... It it never, it never looks like it's trying to do too much. Like it seems, it seems restrained. It seems like they could have tried more, and maybe and maybe pushed the system a little more. But it may they may have sacrificed some gameplay for that. Um, I, I I think it looks good. It it's very like like I said when I when the podcast first 
first started. Uh, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed 3 is the best-looking console game I have ever seen. It is incredible. So when those kind of games are coming out for, for other systems, you know, it is very obvious when you see a game that doesn't look that good. And it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. But the game is so much fun to play, I think, that it doesn't even... It doesn't matter. You very quickly kind of disregard that, or at least I found myself very quickly dis- like disregarding the fact that the graphics weren't the best. Well, yeah, that's how I felt about The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. I mean, it's cel-shaded, but you kind of get over it, and there's you find the beauty in it. God, you are so wrong on that. That game looked amazing. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, that, that game looked fantastic. It, I, it did look fantastic. The, but... I think that is one of the most underrated Zelda games. It's okay to be wrong sometimes, though, Cody. It's okay. But you know what? I don't think it's underrated because I have asked several people what their favorite Zelda game is, and more people say Wind Waker to me that I've talked to in Chicago than they've said Ocarina of Time, which I'm sure it's just my small group of friends, but I, I uh, there's a lot of people that I know that, that do appreciate that game, so it does have fans, but that's neither here though. There. I understand your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand your point, though, yes, it but yeah, the game. The, I think the game is restrained. I think it it does a good job, uh, con, kind of conveying. There's a lot of different environments, um, but it, it, I think it really works within the graphical limitations of the Wii and does a very good job. So now, are all the lines voice acted, or just the main story lines? So there, you know, like any role playing game, there are NPCs that you can talk to in towns. Typically, they're not voice acted. All of the main quest dialogue is voice acted. Okay. Uh, again, with really good voice acting, there are there is one character that I think could come off as annoying. Mm-hmm. I was not annoyed by this character, but I but I could see how other people would be, especially those that are not not maybe necessarily used to kind of Japanese conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, everything else was very very well done. The game has. So, so you know how I compared it to an MMORPG, right? Yeah. There's a lot of shit about MMORPGs that would really suck if you were doing them by yourselves. Right, by, like by yourself. raids. Uh, I was thinking more along the lines of um, things like running across the world, right? Because when you're playing an MMORPG, there's, there's some stuff that they put in the game to take time because you're, you're paying for time when you're yeah. typically paying those games. So when you d- do a quest, for instance, uh, you have to run back to the quest giver to turn in the quest, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. you, played, you played a little bit of WoW. So you know a little bit how conventional uh, MMORPGs work. Yeah, like three days or so. And... Yeah, but that, that's at least a little bit to... You know how the systems work, though. Just the tip, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, it felt good, right? Just the tip. It, it felt good a little bit well when i pulled out i don't know how good it felt but yeah yeah so um this game just does away with a lot of those things it does it has things like quest givers so there'll be people with little exclamation points above their head and you'll go to them and you'll talk to them and they will give you a quest and then you'll go out into the world and you'll complete the quest and a screen will just pop up showing you the completion the fact that you completed the quest and you get the reward for it Wow, I think Final didn't Final Fantasy twelve even miss the mark on that because when you had to fight monsters uh, or marks at the, at the tavern, didn't you have to still return to the tavern? Yes. So, 
So Good job, Square Enix. They even missed the mark on that. To be fair, Final Fantasy XII was a long time ago. It was really before you know MMORPGs were big. It was before World of Warcraft. They, that game was far, far more ahead of its time than it gets credit for. Um, but but the point is, is they they're like, okay, if we're gonna make a single player MMORPG, let's you know take out the conventions, take out the things that the multiplayer, yeah. take out the multiplayer, just make it a massive right. leap. Hey, take out the stupid stuff uh, that people don't, you know, just take out the stupid stuff that that take time. Yeah. Um, there are fast travel points in MMORPGs, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to go to these fast travel points that connect to other fast travel points. Well, in this game, you open up the map and you go to a landmark and you teleport there. That's it. So getting around, and of course, you have to explore the landmark first before it will let you travel there. But getting around is so easy. If you need to go back and explore a different path, you just instantly teleport to that landmark no matter where you are. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like cheating. It could very easily feel like you were you were cheating in some way, um, but just because of the way the battles are, it it doesn't feel that way. You get experience for exploring. Like it gives you incentives to explore the world. Um, there are like secret areas you can uncover with items in them, and you get huge amounts of experience that can level up your characters that way, just for exploring. So it does these things uh, to, to kind of encourage you to experience this enormous world they've created. And keep in mind, this game took me 80 hours. It was, yeah. it, <laughs> it, was more like, it was more like 75. It took me forever to play through this game. And there is so much world there to explore. And it was fun and interesting. And uh, it, like, again, they had given me incentive to explore every inch of it if I wanted to. And I did. I, I did because they made it fun to do it. Now, are you going to go back and do more side quests and things? So, no. Um, <laughs> the, You've had enough. Well, the side quests are not the best part of that game. Um, it's great that they allow you to do them as the game goes on and that you don't have to go back to quest gears to turn them in. That's not 100% of the time. There are a few, and I don't know why they do this, but there are a few quests here or there where you do have to go back to the quest giver um, and they don't explain, they don't explain that anywhere in the quest text. Like you never, you never, un, you never, you don't even know typically when you have to do that other than you don't get the reward for the quest when you complete it. Okay. So I, I don't understand that particular decision, but the side quests are not the strength of this game at all. But the fact that you can do a lot of them as you're just going through the game is great because they just add a little bit of color to the world, you know? Yeah, and you can uh, pop in some of those side quests if you need a little extra XP if the main game is getting too tough for you. Yeah, and actually the rewards from the side quests typically are almost unique, I guess. I, I suppose you could get some of the items, some of the gems, because you can, you know, gem. So you can gem your equipment if it has slots in it, and the gems have all, there's all sorts of different gems with all sorts of different effects. So you can really get some customization there. Oh my god, I love gemming my slots. I know, right? Uh, just make sure you wrap it up. Yeah, I'll I'll get some Windex. Oh, and that's that's the other great thing is there's so much character customization that way. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's the great thing. It comes with Windex. 
which would be a very strange pack-in for a video game. It wouldn't be the first time, though. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's just there's a ton of customization with your characters um, because you can only have eight abilities on your ability bar, and each character gets somewhere between 12 and 16 abilities. So you can kind of mix and match and see what works best for you, you know? And wow. what, that also, what that also means is that a char- like some characters have a tanking spec or a tanking build where you can put a certain number of abilities on their bar that are good for tanking. And then that same character could have a bunch of damage dealing abilities, which you could then put on that character's bar, change their equipment around, and then make them damage dealers. So even within each character, there's some ability to kind of play around with what they do. Point is, is the game is huge in scope. Uh, the story's great. I, I cannot recommend it enough if you're a fan of role-playing games. Yeah, you seem to be pretty hardcore about this game. Yeah, I'm way high on it. I'm way <laughs> high on it. it, it uh, it's just, it's really good. It is really good. And it is unlike any Japanese role-playing game you've ever played. If you are, if you are sick of typical Japanese role-playing conventions, if you think they are tired... This this game will kind of reinstill. I think I really feel like it will reinstill your faith in the genre. Awesome. Well, good. Uh, I may have to check it out sometime when I have eighty hours free. Oh wait, I'm already like sixty nine hours balls deep into several other RPGs right now. Ugh. Yeah, but if you ever can get around to it, I, I really can't recommend it enough. All right, I will play that if you play Cave Story. That seems like a pretty good deal. <laughs> when does this have to be done by? Uh, I still have to play through all of Assassin's Creed 3, which, from what I've heard, is going to be a very long game. Let's go for uh, 2015. <sighs> well, we will have it. We'll have probably recorded over 35,000 hours of podcast by then. Is that how many we will have recorded? I think I'm rounding up to the nearest 35,000, but yeah, probably somewhere in that neighborhood. Ooh, how many we will have recorded? Future, past, perfect, participle. We're going to go back to the future. Hey, you saw that Star Wars got bought by, uh, Star Wars got bought. Oh, oh, look, we're out of time. Yeah, LucasArts got bought by Disney. That's awesome. Merry fucking Christmas. It's awesome. It is, it is. No, it's actually awesome. I think it is awesome. I do too. I know there are some people that are down on it, but. Well, my, my gut instinct, I think a lot of people's knee-jerk reaction was, oh no, but remember the same exact thing happened with Marvel? And look at what Marvel's done. Yeah, but I think people, are, I don't think people... People immediately associate Disney with cartoons and like kitty stuff, but Disney makes some adult properties. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, when they bought Marvel, people were pissed. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, Spider Man, Mickey Mouse. Like, <laughs> and look at the last five years. Look at the Avengers. That's Disney, folks. And we're just, you know, we're just slowly moving towards the world that is owned by either Disney or Ted Turner. Those are, uh, or Google. Or Apple. Those four, those four companies slash people will own the entire world mm, by 2015. Wow. They'll probably, own, right. they'll probably own us. Well, let's hope one of... Well, let's hope. Then we would get paid. Yeah, that's true. That'd be nice. Speaking of which, this episode brought to you by Mountain Dew. Refreshing Mountain Dew. Is it? No. Did, all right. They paid us nothing. All right. Well, um, check out our Twitter handles at, uh, what, what's our website? Unqualified.podbean.com. That's not, mm. our, that's not our Twitter handles, uh, but that is our website. No, but our Twitter handles are listed on the website. That is a website you can go to to learn all about this podcast and hear previous episodes. You can also follow us on... No, no, no. See, if we, if we give away our Twitter handles, then they don't have any incentive to go to our website. See what I did there? That was a tease. Mine's at Eat Play Game. Okay. 
I'm not giving away mine. Oh, there you go, folks. So in order to get Cody's Twitter handle, you have to go to our website at uh, unqualified.podbean.com. Yeah, I, I have over 500 followers. I don't. Because I'm a whore. Until next time, listener. A corporate whore. <laughs>